And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 379 of the Only Thor podcast, hosted by a true descendant of Odin. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show, and a very happy, whatever it is, Labor Day this coming week. So, yeah, can you believe it? I mean, we've been in quarantine or lockdown or whatever for six months. Jeez. Anyway, here we are, and as, as usual, there's not a lot going on here, not being able to go out and do stuff, so yeah, so what better thing to do than to cover an issue of Thor? We, we will do right after the music. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you'll behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are covering the Mighty Thor number 407. September 1989 is the cover date. A dollar is the cover price. Cover art is by Ron Friends and Joe Sinnott. Very dramatic cover, though I believe that the image of Thor on the cover is a a direct steal from an old Kirby comic. Uh, It shows Thor getting ready to hit something with his hammer and floating by his uh, calves is uh, Eric Masterson wearing purple pants a la Dr. Banner. And floating behind him, or actually looks more like flying behind Thor, is the recorder. Hmm, we haven't seen the recorder in the story yet, so I imagine that happens inside. They're floating in a very detailed version of Kirby space, and they're attacking things that look like giant COVID-19 viruses. And we open up to the splash page where we have the title of the story, The Menace of the Living Universe. Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends did the words, pictures, and plot. Joe Sinnott was the inker, finished art. Michael Heisler was the letterer. Mike Rockwitz was the colorist. And Ralph Macchio was the editor. Thor and company are on the surface of some sort of rocky body. Uh, it is uh, Thor and Eric Masterson dressed in that battle suit kind of thing. And a few of the Knights of Wondergore floating around. And way too many circles. Uh, Kirby's space is way overcrowded. And one of the knights is saying, Behold, we have found those we seek, but they are truly beyond salvation. He's right, Thor, says Eric. There's no way we can help them. Have faith, Eric Masterson. Though my mind reels at the horror which doth confront us, I shall find a way to triumph over it. And the editor says, Warning, the pages which follow contain thrills and chills beyond measure and are not for the faint of heart. Well, if you're the faint of heart, you wouldn't be listening to this show anyway. So we open up to the beautiful double-page spread here, and uh, they're all reacting to what they saw at the end of the last issue, which was, of course, the disembodied forms of Hercules and the high evolutionary floating in Kirby's space. And uh, one of the knights is saying, But how? What can we do? Your friend and our master are one with this galaxy. Their minds and spirits have somehow become woven into the very fabric of this reality. Aye, says Thor, 
but there must be an answer, a method to end their terrible agonies and free them from this ghastly state. And yet, my mind is besieged by scores of haunting questions. If Hercules and the High Evolutionary were truly genetically accelerated to a state beyond godhood, how came they here? What power in the known multiverse could possibly imprison entities such as these? And why? And for what sinister purpose? And it looks like uh, Hercules and the High Evolutionary are arguing or maybe even fighting each other. It's really not, it's kind of hard to tell. So Masterson says, Thor, it may be my imagination, but everything in this place looks like it's alive, including the ground beneath our feet. Doubt not thy senses, Eric. They speak true. The Black Galaxy is actually a bioverse that is composed entirely of organic matter. How is such a thing possible? Infinite are the wonders and mysteries of the universe, says one of the knights. Most galaxies are collections of stars which are grouped in recognizable patterns. Imagine a cluster which forms the outer edge of some great circle. Deep within its center is a dark void which is shrouded from the rest of reality. Whether by a quirk of fate or the design of some unnamed hand, this black galaxy has become a home of a living universe. And there's a giant boosh as uh, magma suddenly explodes from beneath the surface of this rocky body and destroys the, one of the knights. And uh, the knight is going, aye! And Thor has to speak the obvious. Molten energy is suddenly erupting from beneath the planetoid. It's shaking, collapsing beneath us, as if it were trying to tear itself apart. And Thor is thinking to himself, what is the cause of this unexpected upheaval? Is it related to the plight of Hercules and the High Evolutionary? And we ship scenes now to Rigel, where the colonizers live, and we have the Rigelian leadership here kind of scurrying around, trying to figure out what to do. Another earthquake threatens our command planet. As our scientist supreme, it is your responsibility to put an end to these massive tremors. I understand, Grand Commissioner, and I have already ascertained that they are caused by mysterious disturbances deep within the Black Galaxy. Disturbances powerful enough to endanger the very existence of the surrounding star systems. That is why we must employ the dreaded Null Bum. It has been designed to cause a super implosion which will eradicate all life within that hated region. So be it. We have no choice. The survival of our world is at stake. Activate the matter transmitter now! And they beam some sort of uh, bomb. It looks like a suppository, but anyway, yeah. It's some, the null bomb, as they call it. They beam it away, and they say, It is done. The bomb has been transported to its destination. How will we know when it has successfully completed its task? I have already dispatched an observer to the Black Galaxy, one who will objectively record the event. But if the null bomb destroys all life, fear not, Excellency. He is also quite expendable. And we shift back to the Black Galaxy, where Thor and company are kind of flying their way through this uh, very crowded Kirby space. And uh, Thor says, hurry, we must put more distance between ourselves and the planetoid. You don't have to tell me twice, says Masterson. I don't want to be anywhere near that baby when she blows. Hey, what's that up ahead? It looks like some kind of spaceship. Oh, and there is indeed a spaceship. Actually, the spaceship looks a lot like Quizlet from the Legion of Superheroes. But anyway, yeah, um, 
yeah, that might be worth putting on the Facebook page. Anyway, uh, so Thor is uh, um, saying, aye, and it doth block our escape path. Thor shall fly ahead to learn its intentions. No, it's too dangerous to go alone, says one of the knights. And the knight is thinking to himself, the fool doesn't know the real reason we were ordered to accompany him. And then there's a giant bathroom, a big explosion. It is, of course, the planetoid that they were just on, so it is exploding. And it says, behold, the planetoid is exploding, and one of our number has been caught in the blast. And so another one of the Knights of Wondegore is down. And Thor decides to protect everybody and starts whipping his hammer around. And he says, gather behind me, now. Already we have lost two of our comrades, and only my enchanted hammer can prevent us from losing more. Only sacred Mjolnir can generate a windshield powerful enough to direct that onrushing debris away from us. And he does that, even though the whole wind and space thing, well, you know, it's kind of questionable, but anyway. (laughs) the, The knights are saying, Well done, Thunder God, you have managed to save us. It's a pity you couldn't do the same for that approaching ship. And we can see that the ship was indeed destroyed. And Thor, because he has to speak the obvious, says, Odds blood! It hath been shattered by the planetary rubble. Look, says Eric, someone managed to eject from it. He's streaking toward us. I don't think they really mean streaking in the sense of, yeah, anyway. Um, And Thor says, there is something hauntingly familiar about that speeding figure. And then recognizes him, of course. Tis he, he who was constructed to be an emotionless observing machine, but whom the son of Odin shall ever know as a former comrade in arms and a trusted friend, the recorder. And it is indeed the recorder, and he's, he's streaking towards them. Though he's not wearing, I mean, he's wearing his clothes. Actually, is he wearing clothes? Because he's a robot. So I guess he's not. Okay, it's just part of him. So I guess he is streaking. Anyway, uh, recorder says, observation, a safety check indicates that I sustain no injuries from the crash, and all circuits are operating at peak efficiency. Conclusion, the sudden power surge I feel is not a malfunction. It is an exhilaration at the prospect of being reunited with the mighty Thor. And uh, the knights and Thor and Masterson are landing on one of the other planetoids below. And Eric is saying, uh, talk about coincidence. Do you always run into old buddies like this? Aye, says Thor. Tis one of the more intriguing aspects of being a god. And one of the knights is thinking, this robot could complicate matters. We knights were charged with two responsibilities, to find our master and to return with enough Asgardian cell samples for future genetic experiments. We have no intention of allowing Thor or Masterson to survive this mission. And uh, the recorder is landing, and Thor says, Greetings, old friend. Too long has it been since last we met. Observation, the smile on your face and the warmth of your words indicate that you are very pleased to see me. Conclusion, you are not fully cognizant of the dire ramifications of this chance meeting. Of what dost thou speak, says Thor? We are here to rescue Hercules and the high evolutionary who have become entangled within the very fabric of this galaxy. Speculation, they are probably the cause of the upheavals which are disrupting the neighboring regions and the reason why my masters have sent a null bomb to destroy the black galaxy. What, says Thor, this living universe is unique in all of creation. It must be preserved. Computation. The odds of you stopping the bomb and saving your friends are one against 4,572,368 to the third power. Observation. 
If those odds can be beaten, it can only be done by the mighty Thor. Statement, I will aid you in any way I can. And his eyes are all Mr. Machine. And and I, that's not an error. Mr. Machine was later became Mr. No, became Machine Man. Uh, anyway, that's yeah, a long story. Yeah. And you'll know who I'm talking about if you were a true Marvel maniac. Anyway, uh, so Thor says, so be it. Now stand ye back whilst my enchanted hammer opens a pathway to a pocket universe and calls forth one of my most prized possessions. And he is whipping his hammer around and a big ball appears. Actually, it's, it's, it's a big ball, but it, it has a strap on it. And it, we're led to believe that this is supposed to be the, uh, the sack that, that Jarlson carries around with him. But if you remember, if you were observant anyway, Jarlson's bag was always looks like a gym bag. It was a gym bag. <laughs> anyway, this is a skin bag. It looks like it was made in, you know, the, in Asgard. And yeah, it's very rustic looking. Anyway, big round thing. And Masterson recognizes it, even though he's never seen this before. Hey, I recognize that sack. It belongs to Sigurd Jarlson. He was always carrying it around. Aye, and it contains the battle armor of Thor. That can only mean... Thou hast guessed my secret, Eric, but it matters no more. A deadly living universe filled with unimaginable horrors stands between us and our goal. I must gird myself for combat most grim. The time when the son of Odin needed to be concerned with a mortal identity has long passed. Never more shall he masquerade as Sigurd Jarlson. Never more shall he assume any guise save his own. And as he's saying this, he's getting dressed in his armor. And this is very much the uh, Simonson-designed battle armor that Thor wore back when he had the brittle bone disease and all of that. So, yeah, it's, it's basically that Simonson armor. Though definitely Kirby modified a bit uh, in, in this. And it looks weird when he doesn't have a beard, but as we'll see, that changes. Anyway, <laughs> now and forever shall he be god of thunder, says Thor, the mighty Thor. Let the masters of Rigel and the bioverse of the black galaxy beware. We strike for Hercules and the sanctity of life itself. Observation, my derma circuits will lead us directly to the null bomb, but the journey will be fraught with uncomputable peril and the time is against us, and uh, Thor and the recorder and the rest go flying off. Now, this little section of Kirby space doesn't look so much like traditional Kirby space as it does sort of a, a cross between the, the uh, astral plane of Doctor Strange, because there's like these big like streamers and stuff going around, and uh, um, you know, this is commented upon by, um, uh, by Thor. What are these strange galactic bands which are suddenly snaking toward us? Observation, my sensitizers indicate that they are highly toxic giant viruses. Warning, your biosystems will have no natural defenses against them. And one of these uh, virus things grabs one of the, the knights and the, the guy is going, Help me, they're closing in, can't escape, arg! Sir Puma was ripped off his atomic steed. And indeed he was. Keep moving. Don't look back, says Thor. The god of thunder shall fly to his aid. Observation. Such an act would be utterly pointless since a swarm of bioversal antibodies has already begun to digest him. Look out. They're coming this way, says Masterson. And he's got some kind of a uh, like ray beam inside his battle suit and he's using that and, and sh is shooting at the uh, viruses. My concussion blasts will temporarily hold them at bay. 
but I can't keep this up without draining my environmental suit of power. Have courage, Eric, says Thor. Yon antibodies are not the only menace which threatens us. And he whips his hammer towards one of the, the Wondergore knights. So the Wondergore knight is thinking into himself, why is Thor attacking me? Has he learned of the treachery we plan, or? And the, the hammer goes right over his shoulder and strikes this giant stingray, spiky-looking thing. And uh, he's thinking to himself, he, he saved my life. Well, these creatures have us completely surrounded, says the knight who he just saved. Gather together, says Thor. It's our only hope. And we learn that, that one of these knights is called Sir Ferret, and he tries to run away, and he's saying out loud, we must flee while we still can. Forget the mission. Survival is all that matters. Come back, Sir Ferret. You will never make it alone. No, I refuse to sacrifice myself for... Ugh. And he is zapped by one of these uh, stingray things as he's going away. And yeah, so it looks like there's only four people left. So it's going to be one of the Knights of Wendigore, probably Sir Puma, the leader. And we have the recorder and Eric and Thor. And Recorder has to speak the obvious, because everyone does. Observation, only four of us remain, and the space stingrays are swarming closer. Have no fear, Recorder. Though they be as numberless as the stars in the heavens, they are nothing compared to the power of Thor. And Thor begins whipping his hammer around, and is basically is creating like a giant sphere. And it's kind of glowing gold, and it's kind of all the stingray things are kind of bouncing off it. My enchanted hammer can easily generate an impenetrable cocoon composed of hurricane force winds, winds which can be harnessed into a single cone of coherent energy and used to send us hurtling towards safety. And there's a skaboom, and that skaboom throws the four of them to safety. And they're flying through now, well, it looks more like the negative zone than it does normal Kirby space. as uh, lots of big floating chunky rocks floating around. Observation, you may have rescued us from the space stingrays, but we will never truly be safe while we remain within the confines of the Black Galaxy. And Eric uh, says, uh, hey, Thor, my suit is starting to run low on power. I need time to recharge. A moment's respite would serve us all, says Thor, but heed the words of the recorder and relax not thy guard. And the knight misses the asteroid that they're all kind of jumping to, and he's like, Aye, I was careless. I misjudged the asteroid. Panic not. Soon shall Thor be with thee. And Thor is starting to go after him. And uh, the knight is saying, No, it isn't right. You shouldn't risk your life for me. Forgive me, Thor. Forgive us all. We were only following orders. Beware. Beware your return to wonder. Go. And uh, he's fallen through the sort of glowing, they call it a membrane, but it, it just kind of looks like a glow in, in space. And Thor's thinking to himself, he fell silent the moment he pierced that membrane. Why? And Thor passes through the membrane as well, and he kind of grabs at uh, Sir Puma. And Thor's uh, thinking, an odd tingling races across my entire body. It feels much like the trollish torture of a thousand spear points. Why did he warn me of Wondegore? What awaits me there? And he lies uh, the knight on the surface of a smaller floating rock, and uh, he's thinking still, he lies so still, so silent. I must remove his helmet and see to his wounds before, and he opens up the helmet, and there's nothing but dust inside the armor. 
So, yeah, Sir Puma's gone. And he's like, his body is gone. All that remains is dust. Dust. No! And we see that uh, Thor has a beard now. And so this is obviously, uh, this membrane thing is sort of super aging kind of thing. And the recorder, because he has to speak the obvious, says, observation, that membrane contained a factor which instantly aged you several hundred years, but the natural lifespan of an Asgardian is far greater than it anticipated. What a gruesome way to go, says Eric. We can tarry here no longer, says Thor. We must stop the null bomb and rescue Hercules in the high evolutionary, if the deaths of our noble comrades are to have any meaning. Statement, the bomb is nearby, says the recorder, and he's pointing towards this giant, uh, well, it says mist-covered planetoid. He says, my sensitizers indicate that it is located somewhere on that mist-covered planetoid. We must leave at once, says Thor. And says minutes later, uh, they are at the planetoid and they're underneath the mist. It looks just like clouds now. The son of Odin shall scout for danger, whilst thou dost compute the exact position of the bomb. Observation, the landmass of the planetoid appears to be covered with a layer of strangely hued rocks. And somebody is thinking, I can't tell who it is, what is their connection with the Black Galaxy? And they try to land on the, uh, the surface, but it turns out that they're this sort of jellyfish creatures. <laughs> the, the recorder gets attacked by a couple of these things, and they wrap around his legs. And the recorder says, Correction, the rocks are alive and highly aggressive, and they're attacking Masterson too, and, and he's being partially covered by them. He's kind of blasted them with his little, you know, little repulsor ray ring or whatever it is. Yow, they're secreting some kind of acid which is dissolving my environmental suit. Thor is looking back at this, and he's thinking to himself, those creatures, I fought there like before when I entered the brain of a celestial. The Celestials are said to be a race of omnipotent space gods who are known to conduct genetic experiments throughout the universe. And this is a reference back to Thor number 388, which we covered some time ago. My mind reels at the possibility, says Thor. This bioverse could be one of their experiments, a vast storehouse full of genetic materials. Or it could be their breeding ground. Enough. The God of Thunder must concentrate on the task at hand and summon a tornado to whisk those creatures from his friends. And yeah, he does exactly that. He summons a tornado, and it just kind of sucks all the jellyfish things up and carries them away. And uh, Thor goes and sees what's going on with his friends, and uh, the recorder looks like, he's, like his whole bottom half has been eaten off by these things. Recorder! Recorder! What have they done to thee? Observation. The lower portion of my structure has been completely eliminated. I am still functional, but can only operate at 37% efficiency. Eric, how dost thou fare? I'm all right, but my suit took the heavies. High technology isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And we can see that he had to remove the suit because it had been uh, mostly dissolved by the uh, jellyfish. Statement, I have found the bomb, says the recorder. It is directly in front of us high atop yonder plateau and there's a like a yeah, big plateau and it's a, like got um, energy or clouds or something kind of whirling around it and uh, yeah so that's where it is observation I am crippled and the human is defenseless conclusion you must continue alone and Thor is not having any of that and he says no a true warrior born does not abandon his comrades in arms 
but you have no choice. We will only hinder you. My damaged body will not survive the rigors of flight. Then we shall climb, says Thor. I came to this galaxy in the name of friendship. I will not dishonor my cause or myself by leaving you behind. And so the recorder has kind of grasped uh, Thor around his neck uh, and is on his back, like piggyback. And Thor has uh, Eric Masterson by the wrist, and he's kind of hauling him up uh, by one hand. You know something, Thor? Hero used to be another word in the dictionary to me, says Masterson, a way to refer to a talented sports figure. You taught me its true meaning today. I just hope I live long enough to share that knowledge with my son. By the way, I like the beard. You should think about keeping it. And anyway, they they go climbing up, and they're on top of the plateau finally. And the recorder says, Observation, we have reached the summit, but the sight which greets us is far beyond our most severe extrapolations. And whatever they're looking at, uh, Masterson says, That thing must be close to 500 feet tall. What is it? And we see uh, what looks like the heads of various celestials. And uh, there's one giant celestial kind of hidden right above where the bomb is perched. And the the bomb has been transported to what looks sort of like an altar. And it's like this round altar with a little bridge running to it. And all around it are uh, like the heads of celestials or carvings of the heads of celestials. Um, not unlike the uh, the Easter Island statues, in a way, which they mention a little bit. Tis a celestial, says Thor. Swell. What about these structures, says Eric? We haven't encountered anything like them in this galaxy, and they remind me of the giant heads of Easter Island. Statement. My derma circuits are straining to accurately record this incomprehensible input, and warning, warning. My sensitizer indicates the null bomb will detonate in exactly five seconds. And so Thor leaps into action. He leaps on top of the null bomb, and there's sort of a vague Kirby-ish, Kirby crackle kind of crackling off this thing. And uh, Thor says, Stand ye back and shield thine eyes, for power beyond measure is about to be released. In the name of the almighty Odin, lord of the Asgardian gods, My enchanted hammer shall draw forth all of the dreaded null energy within this bomb and direct it into a single irresistible torrent of cosmic force. So it looks like he's draining the energy out of the bomb with his hammer, and then he blasts it all out of the hammer, just kind of outward, just in a random direction, I guess. And it says, without another word, the god of thunder sends that torrent blasting outward, outward, outward. Within an instant, it slices across the bioverse and pierces the very veil of the black galaxy. Entering the physical universe, it continues its mad rush through time and space until it collides with a dying sun. In a paroxysm of immeasurable fury, the sun is reignited, and seven populated worlds are given a second chance at life. So yeah, uh, he shoots the beam a really long way and reignites a star. And that being done, Thor climbs down from the, um, the, the, basically the casing of the bomb, which is still there. Observation, the mighty Thor has diffused the null bomb and saved the black galaxy. Aye, says Thor, but the most difficult leg of our quest still awaits, the rescue of Hercules and the high evolutionary. Have joy, Asgardian, says a voice. True victory is within thy grasp. And uh, Thor's like, Hercules? 
And it's not Hercules, but it's one of these giant statues of, of celestial heads. Anyway, it's there. It's this green and blue celestial head, and there's another one next to it that's kind of red and chartreuse, and yeah, which is uh, the high evolutionary. But anyway, well met, Odin's son, says Hercules Celestial. My doer companions scoffed when I foretold of thy coming. I knew that thou wouldst never forsake the Prince of Power. Stop gloating, Hercules. Not even the God of Thunder has the wit or power to free us. Observation. The discorporated entities we seek are apparently imprisoned within these structures, says the recorder. What about the giant images we saw, says Eric? Statement. I am receptive to suggestions. How came ye here, says Thor? Who entrapped thee? No memory have I of such events. I merely awoke bereft of body. Free me. I should have been languishing in the arms of a beautiful damsel, not pickled within this lonely container. And we see the shadow of a giant hand kind of coming towards the three of them on the planetoid. And Masterson says, uh, uh, Thor, I think we've got another problem. And yeah, it appears to be a celestial hand. Projection, the probability of a celestial attack is now 99.9999%. Speak to me, Hercules, says Thor. Give me the key that shall unlock thy prison. Hast thou not a hammer? Use it! Do I dare, says Thor. The shattering of this structure may cause thee harm. Methinks my state cannot worsen. And the, the hand is moving closer and closer to them. Move it, Thor. Hurry, says Masterson. The big guy's palm is starting to glow. Observation. We are instants away from termination, says the recorder. The die is cast. The decision made. The thunder god must strike. And he strikes at the celestial head. And he destroys it with a shabwam. And uh, the caption says, A thousand images suddenly lacerate Thor's mind. Images of terrible beauty and exhilarating horror. Visions of ghastly joy and thrilling sadness. And then, even as he howls in pain and confusion, the hand of the celestial unleashes a new maelstrom of terror and agony. And he shoots a beam out of his hand with a giant poom and basically destroys the place where they, where all those heads were and the, the, whole, the whole asteroid is gone. It says here, um, so great is the blast, so irresistible is its fury that a massive chunk of the planetoid is sent careening across the black galaxy and there's a giant patch womb as this happens. For many hours, it continues its apparently random journey through the emotionless eye of an uncaring bioverse. And then uh, it sort of comes to a, an orbit around a um, some blue-colored planet and we see that there are people on this and it is, of course... Uh, are the three, you know, the Asgardian and Eric Masterson and the recorder who somehow has regained his bottom half. I believe that that's got to be some kind of an error. Uh, anyway, uh, so Thor is like, Ugh, and recorder's observation, we still live. Conclusion, the celestial has spared us for some unfathomable reason. Recorder, thy broken body hath been repaired. Observation, just as your abandoned cape has been returned. Observation, these two minor achievements pale before the two wonders which now stand before us. Odd's blood, says Thor, and he looks happy because we see standing in front of them are Hercules and the High Evolutionary. 
Hercules, thou hast been restored to corporeal form. How? Such is not the concern of the son of Zeus. I am here, not else matters. I am far more interested in learning what was in those other containers, and why did that space creature free us? Had we already served its unimaginable purpose? What was it? We may never learn the answers to such puzzling questions, says Thor. Mayhaps this is yet another of its infernal experiments. Statement. I have already employed my internal circuitry to contact my masters and request a spaceship. They are displeased over the resolution of the null bomb, but they eagerly await my full report. Problem. Though I have faithfully recorded and observed all that has occurred, I can draw no logical conclusions from it. Methinks there are certain truths which are utterly beyond the ken of mortal and machine, and even the gods themselves, says Thor. Next issue, the fateful decision and the conclusion of this story, and that is the mighty Thor number 407, and we'll be talking all about this issue right after this message. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant-Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're back. And if few comments, of course, about the issue, as we always have. So first of all, I want to address the, the sort of elephant in the room with this issue, and that is that we have these two things that happen in the issue that are not explained. So now, I didn't even notice that Thor's cape was gone until I went back after reading the issue and to find out exactly when that happened. And that's because the disappearance of Thor's cape was not mentioned, it was not shown, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. After the recorder had its bottom half destroyed by, by those uh, you know, little jellyfish things, they mentioned he was damaged. Thor still had his cape at that point. And then they noticed that the plateau was there, they went to go f- climb to the top of the plateau, and in between panels, Thor's cape disappeared. Now you would think that Thor's cape would be useful for helping lug people up a mountain. You would think he could wrap Masterson in the cape and carry it like a a bag over his shoulder. You know, that would be good. But no, but the cape just went missing. And so the return of the recorder and Thor's cape at the end of the issue, I believe, was an artist's error. I don't think that it was actually supposed to be a story point. And you can kind of tell it wasn't just by the fact that they don't explain it and they just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, you know, it just, it just happened. So to me, that is kind of lazy. And yeah, I don't really like that kind of storytelling. The logic of restoring Hercules and the high evolutionary just by destroying those head things, well, it's a little silly, I, I have to say. I mean, they're kind of, are they just kind of trapped inside and mist form and none of that is explained so again not the greatest story device very much a deus ex machina which you see a lot in silver age thor stories so why not here 
The celestial connection is kind of interesting, and I have a feeling that we're going to see that a little bit next time. Um, yeah, so the story is kind of weak, I have to say. Um, artwork, on the other hand, is really good. I, I like the way that, you know, Sinnet inks friends. I think the artwork throughout is pretty cool, mistakes notwithstanding. So I, I think that the, the issue looks very good. It is very much in the style of a Silver Age Marvel comic, and I think that's, of course, exactly what they were going for. So pretty good stuff, and I uh, can't really complain a lot about it other than the fact that the story is a bit weak. Anyway, now this story concludes next issue, and then at that point we'll be moving along to something else. All right, so uh, once again, folks, uh, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us on the Facebook. Just go to Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Wear your mask, everybody. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>